Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Mahmoud Ghanoum. Uh, he's a professor in the Department of Dermatology, also part of the School of Medicine, part of the Department of Pathology as well. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the microbiome and the mycobiome, which is uh, fungal-related uh, microbes uh, in regards to, I believe, cancer. So, Mahmoud, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. It's really great to be with you. Yeah, if you would, tell me about your research. What's the focus of it today? My research these days are really focused on the, as you mentioned, the microbiome, which is really the microbial community or the community of organisms, bacteria, fungi, viruses that live on our body, like the skin, for example, and inside us, such as the gut. And we are trying to look at how these communities can affect our health and wellness. Clearly, I'm focusing at the moment in a couple of areas. Uh, one is the digestive health and the other uh, cancer. So what, what types of cancer are you looking into? We are in particularly looking at two types of cancer, tongue cancer, as well as head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. Mm. And have you looked to see, um, I know there's a microbiome of the mouth, um, but uh, you know the esophagus, is there a different one? Like, uh, have you observed that microbiomes are everywhere or are they confined to certain areas in the body? They really, uh, they are everywhere. They are inside us, as we said, is the oral cavity, in the gut, in the reproductive system, but also they are present in our uh, skin, in our nose, our ears. And we even uh, published work on the eyes, like contact lenses, as well as the microbiome on the eyes. We have some uh, microorganisms, especially if people use uh, contact lenses, you may have more microorganisms. In particular, we looked at a fusarium, which is a fungal infection, which is present uh, in people who used to use some uh, lens cleaning solutions. So you can find it all over our body. Yeah, amazing. In regards to the cancers you're studying, do they form tumors? And if so, is there a, a different localized microbiome on the tumors versus the regular tissue? That's exactly actually what we did. We looked at, uh, uh, in collaboration with uh, two two very good friends and colleagues, one is Karis Eng from the Cleveland Clinic, and the other is uh, Dr. Ted Technos from the Sideman Cancer Center at University Hospital. We are working in cancer in general with uh, these two uh, friends and colleagues. But with caries, what we looked at, we looked at the tongue cancer, as well as, as I mentioned, head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. So let me tell you what we did with the tongue cancer. And before we go in detail into what we did, the idea came from the fact that several studies, epidemiological studies, tried to look at the relationship between poor oral hygiene, in other words, the people don't brush their teeth, they don't take care of them, 
and cancer. And what they found that really there is a relation. And what helped us a lot in these studies is that there is a new sequencing technology which allows you to identify what organisms there very fast and also allow you to identify both those that are easy to grow and those that are difficult to grow. And what people found uh, is that overall, it looks like if somebody have an imbalance, or they call it the scientific word is dysbiosis. In other words, the microbes living in our mouth are not in harmony together. They are out of balance. And they found that if we have this imbalance, it is likely it will contribute to cancer or tumor genesis of the mouth, not as well as other parts of the body, such as the gut, the lung, and so on and so forth. Okay? And okay. that's how it started. And then we came into the picture because a lot of the published work looked only on bacteria or called the bacterial community and we our work looked in addition to the bacteria we also looked at the fungal community people thought there is only bacteria in our mouth and i can tell you based on studies which i did many many years ago i knew that both bacteria and fungus exist together and how did we know that if somebody a lady for example take an antibiotics you're killing the bacteria, and guess what happened? They develop thrush, and thrush mm. is caused by fungus. And that's what taught me that if we affect the bacteria, we give a chance to the fungus to start causing uh, issues, okay? And that's why we thought, okay, people looked at the bacteria in cancer. Is there any relation between fungi as well in these patients? So we went and uh, enrolled patients, about more than 50 unrelated patients, where they had uh, mobile tongue cancer, the type of cancer they had. And we collected tissues from them, from the cancer itself, okay, and adjacent normal tissues. So we tried to compare both what is the microbiome, both bacteria and fungus in the a tumor tissue in the tongue and those that are not, okay? Hmm. And okay. so with that, we looked at different points there. We tried to see what is the diversity, you know, to make it simple, uh, diversity, it means what type of organisms are there? How many different organisms, both bacteria and fungi? And also at what levels they are. Like, you know, sometimes we call it abundance, the level, like, is, is it present 10%, 15% relative to the others? So this is the level. So you know what organisms are there and uh, how much of them is there, okay? And okay. also, that's, so that's what we looked uh, at, both bacteria and fungi. And to our surprise, we found that both really bacteria and fungi are affected in cancer tissue versus non-cancer tissue, okay? How would you say they're affected? Like, uh, is there a totally like, different regime for uh, the microbiome, you know, on a tumor, or is it only slightly different? Yes. So what we found is, as I mentioned, the diversity, like how many 
organisms are present. We found that the diversity decreased in tumor uh, group, like the patients, the parts of the tumor, when we looked at it, we had less number of organisms, okay? That's in the bacteria. Whereas in the fungi, we found that the richness, which means how many actual species are there, it was really decreased in the fungus. So we had less fungus in people with cancer, okay? Then hmm. we start to look at, like, as you alluded to, what sort of organisms are there? Do, are they different uh, species? Do we have different bacteria? Do we have different uh, fungus? Okay. And then what we found, some in cancer patients, some organisms increased. Like, for example, one group of bacteria called the streptococcus, we found it that it increased in tumor group. In the, you know, and whereas other organisms, we found them to go down. So you can see there is the balance is shifting. And that's why they become imbalanced. And the ones that really decreased in the tumor group, like example, one very well-known called the fusobacterium, okay? So you can see some organisms increase, some organisms decreased, okay? And then when we looked at the fungus, we also found uh, a large number of them decreased, okay? Such as aspergillus. You know, this aspergillus is a mold which present uh, all over the place, but you can find it in people and it could cause disease as well. So really basically doing this study, what it told us is that there is a difference in the bacterium, which is the bacterial community, as well as the microbiome, which is the fungal community between the tongue of cancer patients and their matched normal healthy people. So you can see there is a shift in there, you know. Did you do and, um, any transcriptomics or metabolomics on it to see, you know, what's the consequence of that? These this different regime, what's it producing? You know, you honestly you took the word out of my mouth because <laughs> we look we did not look in tongue cancer about the metabolomics, but we looked at metabolomics in the uh, head uh, and neck squamous cell carcinoma. Okay, so. The first study, we just looked at the microbiome, but in the head and neck squamous cell carcinoma, we looked at what you call metabolites. Metabolites uh, are chemicals that we can characterize very easily using metabolomics. You know, this is the new, again, we are lucky because the techniques of capturing these and identifying them, now it's like with sequencing is really very, advanced and allow us to look at this. And in this group of uh, patients with head and neck uh, squamous cell carcinoma, we really tried to took samples, similar to what we did with the tongue cancer, and we compared the chemicals that are in cancer versus non-cancer, okay? And okay. to our uh, you know uh, amazement, we found that there were 22 different compounds or metabolites we were able to detect. And eight of them, eight of these 22, were statistically overproduced in the cancer, which means there's more amount of them. The level of the chemicals, if you look at how much uh, there, it was increased in cancer tissues. We dug a little bit more deeply and we identified one particular chemical called 
2-hydroxyglutarate. And we found it that it's present only in tumor tissue, but not in healthy one. Okay? Mm. And this really is very interesting because this suggested to us that it is possible to use this chemical, 2-hydroxyglutarate, as a biomarker of disease. It, it looks like if you find it, it may tell you that this person have cancer. And the beauty of this is that it is a non-invasive uh, process. Like you don't have to take biopsies, uh, which is, as you know, uh, very, uh, very uh, painful sometimes to, to uh, patients. But we are able to do it with the uh, oral wash, for example. Uh, you know, it's our, or sometimes you can do swabs, swabbing of the mouth, and you look for these chemicals. But in our case, we used oral wash. And now what we are trying to do is we would like to con conduct some clinical trials to really validate this observation and see will it stand. Like we would like to take some patient and see, do the traditional way of diagnosing uh, this cancer and see whether we can see this compound and how it's what you call specificity uh, and really sensitivity. You need well, to what, be what very. Which creatures produce it? Yeah, we we did not find out which one, uh, which uh, which uh, organism produce it in this case. But that's another thing which we hope to put an IH grant to try to identify these metabolites. <laughs> Is it hard to yeah. figure out who's producing what uh, what substances? You know, it's it's the nice thing I can tell you. I just got funded from the National Institute of Health to look at metabolites in Crohn's disease, okay? And what we did, we identified organisms like we did in this cancer patient that are increased, elevated in, in Crohn's disease patients. And what we did is we took these bugs or microbes and we grew them and then we did metabolomic analysis. And we identified a few compounds that are secreted by these organisms. So now the grant which I got from the National Institute of Health is to do what? Is to see what can these chemicals do to cause Crohn's. So we will use this similar approach for the cancer, but we haven't started yet, that yet. So how do fungi seem to, um, to act in a normal microbiome versus a, you know, like a, a dysbiotic one? You said sometimes they appear to uh, take over. I mean, what other yeah. interesting behaviors have you seen? You know, what's so interesting about, about the fungus, if I can tell you, I did a study many, many years ago to see how many people have candida. Candida is one of the fungus that cause a lot of trouble. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Okay, it causes thrush in the mouth, in the vag vagina, and also it causes uh, systemic diseases in cancer patients. And you will find that, based on our study, 50% of people can have this bug, this fungus. Wow. But it is at low level, which means it really does not cause any issue if your immunity is good, if we have good bacteria that keep it under control. And the same applies for the gut. In the gut, many of us have it. And what happens when we take an antibiotic, we are killing not only the good, the bad bacteria, we are killing the good bacteria as well, which keeps candida under control. And when that happens, guess what? Candida start to overgrow and cause issues. 
So that's why, now you may ask, you telling me that they are present at low levels, are they helping us? I can tell you at low levels, yes, they are helping us. Like for example, there is a study done where they looked at people with low level of candida and they found that it cooperate with the bacteria in breaking down food, fermenting food. It breaks the food, which gives uh, byproducts to the bacteria to eat, and then bacteria can help them back. So it's really a very nice beneficial cycle. So that's why understanding how these organisms work together is very, very important. Yeah, what kinds of uh, fungi are in someone's uh, typical microbiome in their tongue and their throat? You can, uh, we, what we found uh, in our, our study, the first study which I published is in uh, just characterizing the uh, microbiome or the fungal community in healthy people. I just wanted to see is that what is there. And you can find candida. You can find saccharomyces. Saccharomyces is a good yeast. You know, it's uh, uh, the one we use for in baking bread, in making uh, mm. beer, for example. You can find other organisms such as uh, Cryptococcus. Cryptococcus is one organism which uh, can, uh, in HIV-infected patients, it can cause issues. But you can find it normally there. And that's why I think when it is normally there and somebody somebody's immunity go down, then it starts to cause uh, trouble. We found also aspergillus there. So you find a, about 15 different organisms are present in the oral cavity, and they are present in more than 20% of the people. Because sometimes you may have fungus that are transient. You eat, let's say, taco, and there is some uh, mm. organisms that live there. You will see it. But what helped us is we looked at large number of people and we saw we looked at what are the most dominant fungi present in at least 20% of the people otherwise we, you can consider them transit and right. based on this analysis we found about 15 different fungi and in a person we found between uh, nine seven to nine different species can you tell if the uh, bacteria interact with the fungi in various ways like you know, could you experimentally look to see what, uh, you know, what's being passed back and forth between them, if anything? Sure, sure. We did, uh, we published actually a study in 2016. What we showed is bacteria and fungus, they come together, especially, let's say, let's talk about the bad ones. We can talk about the good ones. I just mentioned some uh, to you with respect to breaking down food, but when it becomes in a pathogenic state or virulent state where it can cause disease, what we showed is that these pathogen bacteria and two types of bacteria, E. coli and Cirrhacia marcescens, as well as Candida and one species in particular called Candida tropicalis, they come together and they form what we call biofilm. What is biofilm? The simplest way to explain it, it's like the plaque in our teeth. In the morning, we brush our teeth. In the evening, we brush our teeth to get rid of the plaque because right. these organisms, they come together and they form like jello. You know, if you can imagine you have a jello and inside this jello, we have uh, raisins or M&Ms. The microbes are raisins, the M&Ms. Whereas the jello, it's what mm. these organisms secrete. It's like 
viscous material to keep them inside the protected. So we looked at that and we were able to publish that work in Crohn's disease patients. And I had a lot of experience in this biofilms before, before I went into the microbiome, I used to study these biofilms, you know, like for example, if somebody goes to hospital, they put a catheter in them, you know, to give them drugs, to give them their food, you know, if they can't swallow. And guess what happened? These organisms, they come, they stick to the catheter and they form, form they start forming biofilms. And when you yeah. have these biofilms, you can't get rid of them and you have to take the catheter out they, and, and they cause what you call catheter-related infections. That's why I was lucky when I start looking at the microbiome, I also saw that this, this interaction where bacteria and fungi come together and form these biofilms, which could be detrimental to us. When you've cultured bacteria, you know, from the nose, the throat, uh, you know, from the tongue, are they, are they, are they going to be typically free-living or are they going to be in biofilm format on all those surfaces? And what does the I'm, structure of the biofilm look like? If so, Okay, I think uh, in the gut, in the mouth, in the vagina, they form biofilms. We really, we used to think they live like, uh, uh, like in suspension, but no. What they do, they stick into the material, what we call they adhere to our mucosal tissue, whether it's the nose, the mouth, or the gut, or the vagina. And they, once they adhere there, they start to produce what you call polysaccharides, like carbohydrates, sugars. And these carbohydrates is what forms the jello. It's like a protective layer. They are inside it. And that's where okay. it becomes very difficult to try to kill these organisms because they become resistant, not only to antibiotics and antifungal, but also they become resistant to our immune cells. Yeah. Mm. And we published that work. We showed how really we took some immune uh, uh, bl blood cells, we made uh, biofilms, uh, and we tried to see whether uh, like macrophages or neutrophils are able to go and attack these pathogens and they really did not. So having a biofilm, it's very difficult to treat because as I mentioned, a whole mark of a biofilm is resistance. So we need to break it down. Are you looking for therapies to these types of cancers in terms of influencing the microbiome? Like if you're, do you think that if you were able to nudge someone's microbiome from a dysbiotic state back to a, you know, a healthier state, do you think that would affect their cancer significantly? Uh, definitely, this is one way to start looking into how can we prevent cancer and how can we help, you know. And definitely we are doing, like, that's why I co-founded a company called Biome Health. And what we started to do is uh, develop probiotics that can rebalance and maintain the balance of the microbiome. The first product we had really was based on our Crohn's disease uh, studies. And now we are uh, starting to look into the cancer, what sort of things. In fact, we have a clinical trial to start very soon using this probiotic we developed in breast cancer to see whether it can change the microbiome or not. But this is just uh, going to start uh, in the very near future with Dr. Eng. What about phages? Um... You know, I know bacteria have phages. 
you know, especially in our microbiome. But what about the fungi? There, what do you call a fungal phage or a fungal virus? Just a they don't. Ha- we don't. Or? Yeah, we don't have. We don't have those. Like in the bacteria, we have the phages, uh, which, as you say, kill the bacteria. But not the fungi. We don't have that. It's really the fungi is similar to us. It's the eukaryotic cell. It has a nucleus, unlike the bacteria and this sort of thing. Uh, and uh, what we try to do is we try to interfere with its, with its virulence factors. Like, for example, what can we do to, to inhibit its ability to invade tissue? Let me give you an example. You know, if you take candida, it is like baker's yeast. It is in a shape, a elliptical, small round circle. When it is in our body and it wants to invade the tissue or break down the lining of the gut, for example, it starts to form what we call hyphae or filaments. Mm. These filaments, they start, it's like you have, as if like you have a needle start to go through our gut lining and invade the tissues. So what we want to try to do, how can we find new ways to prevent candida from forming these hyphae? So that's how we are trying to attack that. How can we ensure that candida does not make a biofilm? Because in our study, when we looked at the biofilm, if you put candida tropicalis alone, it was all like little uh, oval oval circle, circuit, you know, oval uh, shape uh, bodies. It's like yeast, like you can, you, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, uh, okay? It's like yeast, the same shape. When we add the bacteria to it, these two organisms, E. coli and Siracia marcescens, guess what happened? It was able to start forming what you called hyphae. And this hyphae have been shown to be a virulence factor. It's one of the properties that candida use to cause infection and break tissues. So now we are trying to develop a probiotic that can inhibit the biofilm. And in in fact, I published a paper in a journal called MBio. It's the American Society for Microbiology, where we showed that the three uh, probiotic strains that biome uh, develop can break down this biofilm. So this is our approach now. So if you prevent the uh, hyphae from forming with candida, you're essentially you're preventing the, these biofilms from growing and that it's easier to attack the fungi to get rid of exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. This is the right way. And also it can be eliminated then, you know, whether it's in, if it's in our gut, it can be eliminated, you know, by going to the bathroom. Well, is candida, is, is it there in low levels in healthy people or is it not there at all? No, no. It is, as I, as I mentioned, it's about maybe 50% of the people have candida when you are healthy, but it's no problem because the only time it starts causing trouble is when you kill the, the bacteria, which keeping it under control, or if your immune system become weak. Like for example, cancer patients. Cancer patients, you know, we give them so many drugs, chemotherapy, to kill the uh, cancer cells. And what happens, it weakens our immunity. And because our immunity is weak, candida then, or fungus in general, to be honest, start causing infection. And that's why we call them opportunistic infection. They take the opportunity when our system is weak, you are under trouble. 
However, mm-hmm. if your immunity is good, you are going to be fine. You don't think that there is a, there doesn't appear to be any phage or viruses that affect uh, you know the fungi? Not really, not in this uh, sort of situation. But the phages, oh. as you know, people are using it for to control bacterial uh, pathogens. Yeah, I just wonder again if if uh, you know if fungi uh, can produce phages, but I don't know if they could or not. Or I don't think fungi so. have yeah. phages. Yeah. I don't think so. At least so far, we haven't seen. So, um, yeah, what method did you uh, figure out to uh, to stop the candidate from making hyphae? Like, what was it treated with? We treated it with the three the probiotic which biome developed. We have four different strains, as well as we have an enzyme amylase, which have been shown to break down biofilms. So when we put them together, they were able to break uh, the biofilm. And as I mentioned, uh, we showed it uh, in vitro, but also we showed it in an animal model where we made biofilms. We put the organism, which is Candida, E. coli, and Syracia. They were able to form biofilm. And then when we gave it the uh, probiotics, it was a, a, the biofilm did not form. Basically, it broke it down. So that means certain bacteria are inhibiting the uh, the creation of the uh, the fungal biofilm or the hyphae. Yes, right? yes, exactly. The beneficial bacteria. Huh. Do you know the what what kind of trading goes on between the uh, the fungi and the bacteria? You know, in the mouth or other places. Yeah, it's like what what we mentioned about the exchange. For example, we found when you put the three organisms together, they start to produce these these metabolites, and one of the metabolites which we found in the case of organisms that cause Crohn's disease, it's called 5-oxyproline. And this 5-oxyproline really is increased 130-fold higher than if you take Syracia, which is the bacteria by itself. When you put them together as if they start talking together, you know, and then they uh, start producing this chemical, which allow candida to start forming the hyphae and, of course, invade. Yeah, we are correct. That's what is the NIH grant, which I am doing now, trying to understand the mechanisms by which this this interaction, interaction between bacteria and fungi and Crohn's disease. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. So what, what's next for the experimentation? What needs to be figured out from here? You know, this is really a very good question. You know what we d- are doing now? Biome Health, we have a gut, the testing kit where people send us their samples and we are collecting data under, of course, their uh, consent to look at the microbiome in different conditions. Like we have people who are obese, people who are, you know, uh, for example, autistic pay, uh, kids we are looking. And now we are trying to characterize what is the dysbiosis. Once we know that dysbiosis we are hoping to come out with different approaches, probiotic-based, as well as in certain cases, especially disease, you really need to go after uh, biotherapeutics because this is like a drug. You cannot claim using probiotic that you can treat a disease. Like in the case of autism, we did a very nice study. We identified what organisms are there, and now we are designing a set of uh, biotherapeutic uh, strains that hopefully we it can bring re- the balance back and maintain it and help these kids. So this is where we are going with is trying to use our big data that Biome Health developed to 
come out with new products to address different uh, diseases and uh, different uh, conditions. Okay, well, very good. So, Thank Mahmoud, you. what's the best way for people to find out more about your work? Where can they go? They can go into biomehealth.com. We are putting a lot of information there. Also, you know, there is the Microbiome Report. is a podcast by Andrea uh, Wynn. It's a great, she's a nutritionist. It provides guidance with respect to the microbiome and all gut issues there. And hopefully that will help them. Okay. Well, very good. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me again. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.